Yes, we're going. Okay, we're live. So, uh, let me just make sure, just in case it's in a different chat, that we are good to go. Yeah, I think we are. All right. Well, uh, if you want to uh, ask questions, I would love to chat with you guys. And don't forget, you can also go to freedomainradio.com forward slash donate. freedomainradio.com forward slash donate to help out the show. Very, very much appreciated. And uh, let's, uh, without any further ado, let's get started. Uh, so Marie Shea Dark says, Watching Steph try to suspend disbelief at video game logic is hilarious. Also, Isabella is probably too young for her own Twitch account. But you should totally claim the name Bald <laughs> Gandalf. Now, of course, I'll have to get a full-on ZZ Top beard to do proper Bald Gandalf. But yes, uh, it is a great deal of fun to do shows uh, with my daughter. It's... Um, uh, it's a real privilege. It's a real honor. She enjoys it very much, and we have so many giggles doing it and in reviewing it afterwards. So um, it's really great. People, you should check it out. Even if you're not a big Minecraft fan, it's there for people, I hopefully, just to see how much fun being a parent can be and uh, what a, what in, how engaging it can be. E.Mew says, how can I convince my husband to homeschool our kids? We have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and I have been a stay-at-home mom the whole time. My husband wants them to be normal. Really? Well, okay. My dear, my friend, good for you for staying at home with the kids. But here's the thing. You know, I constantly get, you know, it's funny. People say boomer tech, boomer reference, this, that, and the other, right? But um, things have changed a lot from when your husband was a kid, like, I talk about dating and people are like, dude, what do you know? Like you've been married for what, 16 years, 17 years. <laughs> I really should know that. And it's not what it used to be. You know, it's really the people are not what they used to be. And what was normal for your husband when he was a kid is no longer normal now. So I basically, I saw this, I don't know where you're coming from, but I saw this video Justin Trudeau's government has put in this whole basically child indoctrination agency that is now pounding the kids' happiness into the dust by terrifying them about climate change. And there was this nine-year-old girl with this cynical, blasé, smoking galatoires on the left bank of Paris in 1960 with freaky uh, people like Foucault. And she was saying, and people say, well, what about the oil industry? And what about the electronics workers? And what about this? And what about that? But it doesn't make any difference. What's the point of having a job if you're dead? I mean, this is what's being pounded into the kids' minds. It's absolute child abuse, terrifying the children. This, oh, it's like that quote that the, the whole purpose of politics is to chase the public paranoia with a whole series of goblins hobgoblins most of them imaginary i'm butchering it but that's the general idea so what's normal now is not what was normal when your husband was a kid and what he needs to do is he needs to have a look at the curriculum he needs to go and sit in on a couple of classes if he can you can often do it in private schools you even have to follow similar curriculum and just see what's being taught you would not believe how young kids are when they're being exposed to sexual education and some of it is pretty deviant sexual education i might add that as well so convince him to homeschool 
our kids, listen, government education is like a neurotoxin. It's like a brain virus at the moment. And you really need to keep your kids away from it, if, it, if it's at all humanly possible. And, and you know, it was an old it was a, it's a cartoon I used to read when I was a teenager, believe it or not. <laughs> Sounds so goofy. But I used to read Harvard Business Review because I was interested in capitalism. And I remember a couple of articles there really struck with me. One was, make sure you fire your customers. Because in the same way that most of your profit comes from very few customers, most of your problems come from a lot of, like come from a number of customers. That number of customers can be quite small. So make sure you fire your customers if they're not making you any money. This idea that you hold on to people like grim death no matter what. So I remember that, and that did a lot for me when it came to coming out in the public square as a social media personality. I'm like, ah, oh, you gotta block people, fire, you get rid of people and so on. But another, I think it was in the Harvard Business Review, there was a cartoon with you know a bunch of panicked business guys around a table and one business guy at the t at the front i guess he was the ceo and he was saying okay hannibal got elephants over the alps with that in mind someone think of something i remember that really really took deep root in me like a in the back of the globe and mail way back in the day they used to have a personal essay and i remember one there's this woman who was saying that she missed her kids' birthdays. She, she missed their school plays because she was working on reports and, and she was working on newsletters and she was working on PowerPoint decks and so on. And she was clearing out her office when she was retiring. And she said, you know, I, I, I can't even remember what the hell the point of all these reports and PowerPoints and spreadsheets. I can't remember what the hell the point of any of that was. I can't remember, like nobody remembers it in the company. It was years and years and years and years ago. But my daughter still remembers when I did not come to her play. My daughter still remembers when I was not there for her little league game. I remember that very, very clearly. And so keep your kids at home. It's natural. It's, it's normal. It's healthy. It's how it's supposed to be. And, and they're going to be taught by a bunch of lefty social justice warriors who are going to like, remember for the left, the end justifies the means. And what that means is, and this is why the left escalates so much, is that if they can escalate to, to a huge degree, then what happens is they are morally justified in doing anything. They can propagandize children. They can terrify children. They can destroy the happiness and security of children. I mean, it's so weird, right? Because they say, well, 12 years, we're all dead, says Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. 12 years, we're all dead. It's like, okay, well, then shouldn't we just shut down schools and let kids go and enjoy their childhoods? <laughs> Why? Because they don't want to do that, right? None of that is, is real. So, yeah, you need, to, um, you need to get your husband exposed to the new curriculum. It's a lot different than when he was a kid. Like, I don't know, if you're 30 or whatever, right? So if you're 30, your, kid was, your, your husband was going to school like a quarter century ago. It's not the same now. It's not the same now at all now. And, and there are no facts. It's all about... I don't know if you're white or not, but it's all about inducing white guilt. Uh, and it's also about environmental paranoia. Uh, and it's about, they have these weird ways of teaching things now that are just purely experimental. Like when I was a kid, how did you learn how to sort of multiply and divide? So you had all these columns and these rows. But now it's very different. Now what happens is you get these big giant blocks, like massive six-sided dice. And there's thousands and then there's hundreds and then there's tens and then there's ones. And you have to juggle all these big giant blocks in order to learn 
how to do multiplication or how to do division or addition and subtraction in particular. And it's like, it's so retarded. It's so stupid. And it's such a burden on the kids. Uh, and it's like, well, we want to make it tangible. It's like, to help with tangible, can you just make it efficient? And remember, too, diversity means that on average, if you're getting a lot of people in from the third world, their kids are likely to be less English proficient, maybe lower IQs on average, who knows. But the reality is that they're going to have to adjust all of the education for that. So your kids, if they're smart, and if you listen to the show and thinking about these issues, your kids are going to be smart and they are going to go slowly insane in this. Like, okay, it's one thing to be bored. And we've all had those days, right? Well, I have to go back <laughs> quite a ways to, to remember those days. But we all have those days. It's like, you know, 1.30 on a Sunday afternoon and you don't really have that much to do. And, and you're like, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> I don't really feel like you're watching anything. I don't want to play a video game. I've read all my good books. You know, you find something. And that's actually a pretty creative time. So it's one thing to be bored, but it's another thing to be bored and have the living crap terrified out of you at the same time. And that's school, right? I mean, certainly for me, I, when I was a kid, that was school because it was really boring stuff with no purpose in life whatsoever. Combined with, we're all going to die from nuclear war. There's acid rain pouring down from the skies. People are putting razor blades in your Halloween candy. There's ALAR in the apples. The ozone layer is being stripped away and we're all going to get microwaved by the evil sun. It was just nonstop. Boredom plus terror is the best way to drive people completely insane. And that's what goes on in schools these days. So... <laughs> I would say no. And here's the thing, too. It's not up to your husband, fundamentally. And it's not up to you, right? What's the, uh, who's it up to, right? And you, you can say, oh, well, my kids are one and three. It's not really up to them. No, the issue is, like, imagine your kids know everything, right? Imagine your kids, imagine your kids one day, because this is going to go out public, right? Hey, emus kids, today is the 6th of April, 2019. And it is 9.16 p.m. And your mom just asked about this. Now, if you did end up being put in government schools and you're an adult now and you're traumatized and you are hating your country and your culture and your history and your race and your ethnicity and, and everything, well, your parents had a choice. And that choice was to put you in a government school that they knew was terrible and destructive. Not just boring, but destructive. And they decided not to. They decided to not keep you home. They decided to, to put you in the government schools. And I'm sorry about that. I mean, I wish that they'd listened differently. But that's, that's who gets the final say, right? Like you, who, who, do you, who do you shack up with? Who do you get married to? When you get married, you get married like your future kids have the final say, right? Who, who do they get? Do they get to vote for the hot mess, unstable hottie? You know, with the uh, perfect uh, put two martinis on the cleavage rack, but who's kind of nuts and, you know, sobbing uh, Blanche Dubois style into her pillow and staining it with mascara and hysterical and doesn't eat and then cuts herself and binge purges and like a hot, exciting, terrifying mess who's going to be a terrible mom or somebody who's, you know, solid and down to earth and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Your kids should decide who their mother is, not your penis or your vagina for the father or whatever, right? The, the, your future kid should decide who the mom's going to be. And it's the same thing. 
your future kids, if they could send a message back in time, do you want your kids conforming to societal norms at the moment? Are you crazy? Like, you, you can't. You, you, are you crazy? You can't have your children try and conform to social norms at the moment. I mean, it's pretty rough, even in the best of times. But right now, you got to be kidding me. Bad, bad idea. All right. Jerry Asker, Jerry Asker. Hmm, the listener's so nice, they named him twice. Said, Steph, thank you for your work championing reason and evidence. Were I to record a podcast applying your principles of UPB to an analysis of story-driven video games, would you consider taking a look? Um, technically, it's a listener. Sorry. Uh, and uh, I would love to, but I very regretfully say that I don't I just don't have time I mean my days my goodness <sighs> it's kind of like being stuffed into a cannon being fired through fiery rings of activities and, and parenting and all that and then slamming I have to basically put my bed up against the wall like those fold-up beds so I can hit the bed at the end of the day and just go down so it's uh, I really really don't have a lot of time I mean I just recorded a show with uh, Dr. Michael Woodley, uh, and uh, for that I had to read a book, I had to read a couple of essays, and you know, long, difficult, complicated stuff, and I had to record the thing, and I produced my own videos, and uh, I don't have a producer uh, anymore, so yes, it's quite, <laughs> it's quite an exciting challenge, and I do want to keep all of this, uh, I would want to keep the quality up and so on, I'm still doing the call-in shows from time to time, so I would love to, but I would sure hate for you to get your hopes up and me find out that I didn't have a chance because it's not just let's say you do a show that's an, an hour then I have to figure out your understanding of UPB I might have to correct it I have to give you detailed feedback to do a proper job that's a couple of hours and if I had a couple of hours lying around well sorry I mean I, I wish I could but uh, uh, on the plus side you know just tweet it at me and I'll, I'll share it that way all right all right uh, yeah I don't want to talk about that um Phoenix On says, what are your thoughts on New Jersey criminalizing 3D printed gun files and infringing on knowledge of knowledge? These files are essentially blueprints, not even tangible guns. Well, I mean, I think it's terrible. I think it's, uh, I think it's wrong. And it's just another example that one government control leads to another government control leads to another government control. It's, um, it's terrible. No, I think it's, it's totally wrong and uh, perfectly predictable. Loquacious Primate, it's a good name, says, Would it be theoretically possible for a state to ethically exist if the ability to draft were forbidden? Or does the existence of military establishments prevent a society rooted in non-aggression? No, see, the, the, the issue is not the draft of people. The issue is the draft of money, right? Because if you drafted people but didn't pay them, that would be pure, outright, obvious enslavement. And so people would be very hostile towards that so the question if you draft people then you have to pay them you have to pay for their food and you have to pay for the shelter and you have to pay for their weapons armaments uniforms all of that stuff so the issue is drafting your money and of course there's direct drafting of money through taxation and then there's the indirect drafting of money through fiat currency through central banking where they can just type whatever they want into their own bank account so um no i don't think the draft it's the draft of money that's really uh, really important uh, King Thorhammer says, will you ever meet and debate Ben Shapiro? P.S. Do a truth about Ronald Reagan. Oh, do more stuff with Bill Whittle. 
Sure, I like Bill. I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. Truth about Ronald Reagan. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. I uh, I would uh, I would certainly think about that. Will I ever meet and debate Ben Shapiro? I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, so, you know, there's there's people on the far left, people on the moderate left, people on the moderate right, people on the far right. And then I'm outside of all of that sort of paradigm. And so for the, the media has done a pretty successful job of painting this radioactive moat of ghastly language around me to the point where I think people are pretty leery. I mean, that's sort of the point, right? You just continue to pump negative adjectives into the air around someone until people fear getting close without a gas mask. That's just natural. And, you know, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing because to serve humanity, you know, when I say, oh, well, you've got to make sure that your future children get to choose who your co-parent is going to be. For me, I think of not just my child in the future, but the future of the world tells me what to talk about. Right? The future of the world, the people who live in the future, I'm going to be them, you're going to be them, my daughter's going to be them, your kids are going to be them, and the people who live in the future are the ones who dictate what I talk about. Not my preferences, certainly not the current media, not the Overton window of allowed discourse at the moment, but I am kind of an intellectual slave to the needs of the future. And that means that if I'm talking to save the future, there's much more hostility in the present. So I'll sort of give you an example. There's, because I talk about race and IQ from time to time, I get this pushback. So the race and IQ, the basic scientific factual reality that IQ differs between races on average, never judge individuals, but on average. And that, the response to that from some people is, you know, oh, Steph, you're obsessed. Like I got an email from a guy and it's very interesting. I really did sit and think about this for a bit. And he said, Steph, you're over-focused on the race and IQ stuff. You're, you're, it's become your E-Day fix. And he says, you know, like I got a friend and my friend is obsessed with the fact that Martin Luther King Jr., the reverend who was killed in the 60s, he was obsessed about the fact that Martin Luther King Jr. plagiarized his PhD thesis, right? And, and he says, you know, he keeps bringing it up. He keeps doing more research. He keeps talking about it to the point where people are just like, what is your major malfunction with this issue, right? And that's not this. Now, I understand. I, I got to mix it up. And I'm actually not that interested in the race and IQ stuff. It's just that until other people start talking about it, it is kind of necessary, right? I mean, uh, for, for me to keep talking about it and other people hopefully can see the fact that I'm still standing, I'm still here uh, and understand it. But why why do people get so mad at this? Like they say, oh, you're obsessed with this idea. It's like, no, I'm not obsessed about it at all. I'm not obsessed about it at all. I just recognize its importance. I just recognize its importance. Like if, if you had a cure for cancer and you were spending a lot of time promoting that cure for cancer, would people say, oh, you're just obsessed with this topic? And it's like, no, I, I just, I recognize its importance. And very briefly, the reason why the leftists go insane about not just race and IQ, but just the general bell curve of intelligence and how predictive it is of life outcomes and 
educational attainment and income and health and marital status and uh, marital stability and and morality and civic mindedness and and so on why but see the left looks at discrepancies between rich and poor between men and women between blacks and whites and east asians and jews so the left looks at these discrepancies and in general they say that the discrepancies arise out of exploitation that the rich are rich because they've stolen from the poor that's basically the argument and if the europeans are rich because they stole from the world through empiricism through empire through colonization and so on and the whites uh, in america are rich because they stole from the black slaves and and this is when you see a rich group because in the world of the marxist in the world of the leftist there's only a fixed amount of money in the world and if one group has more it must be because they stole from the other so you think of it like if you've ever been scuba diving you're taught that you scuba dive with the buddy because if something happens to your regulator you've got to share the air right you can't both be breathing from it really at the same time you take a couple of breaths and give the other person a couple of breaths and that's the economy for the marxists right you, you can't both right one person's breathing the other person's got to be deprived of oxygen and if only one person comes back up, it's because they stole the regulator if the other one's broke, right? And that's because they subscribe to the labor theory of value, which is that how you make money is you just move your arms and your legs. And there's not this huge difference, you know, like the first Conan movie where he becomes stronger by just pushing around this, I guess it's some sort of millstone or some grinder or something like that. It's like these, his own personal giant quadded... Um, windmill uh, or something like that the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger the Conan character right so it's just muscles muscles are what produce wealth and it's and and the, and the rich you see are generally weak they're pencil-necked they're thin-armed they're pale they're pasty they've got bad vision in one eye they got to get that monocle from the monopoly cliche right so they're the like how can the rich be rich they're weak Whereas the working class are strong and square-jawed and physically powerful, and they're the ones producing the goods. So if you just look at the body rather than the brain, there's not a huge amount of difference. And in fact, the working class should be richer because they're stronger. And you always see these, you know, these meaty Soviet posters of the square-jawed, muscular Rosie the Riveter showing you her muscle. Physical labor, physical strength is what matters, and the, the richer weak and the working class are strong so the working class should have the money right that's basically how it works so they explain discrepancies in income disparities in income the gap between rich and poor is ex- ex- exploitation right now once you start looking into intelligence combined with the meritocracy of the free market you get a very different view right so what you get is that the discrepancies in outcome are because of intelligence and intelligence in terms of value is exponential it doesn't go up like a straight line it just goes right like through the roof so if if physical strength is what produces wealth there's not that big a difference between the strongest and the weakest so to speak right functional person right so when they always say oh you know the, the ceo is getting paid 300 times what the workers make but if you think it's just physical labor well he's not 300 times stronger now is he he's not 300 times taller in terms of just the the stupid base sense data materialism he's not 300 times 
whatever, right? But, but once you start to get into IQ, you recognize that extraordinarily high intelligence combined with conscientiousness, combined with dedication to hard work, combined with the willingness to jet, jettison personal relationships like it's the last stage on a rocket that's desperate to meet orbit. So once you get the intelligence stuff, the economy makes perfect sense, right? The Pareto principle of prices law, whatever it is, that the square root of a productive group of people in a meritocracy, the square root produces half the value. So you've got a company of 10,000 people, 100 of them produce half the value, and 10 of them produce half that value. So 10 out of 10,000 people are producing 25% of the value. It's If you just think of the, the body, it doesn't make any sense why so few people would produce such incredible value in the market. It makes no sense. But once you understand IQ and genius and creativity and inspiration and then it's like the shortest guy to the tallest guy is like what? Double, maybe two and a half times. I'm not talking like way outside the bounds like people who have dwarfism or something, but like a short guy to a tall guy, like a five foot two to a six foot ten guy. It's 20%, 25%, maybe 30% height difference, right? So how on earth can the, quote, tall guy be making 300 times more? Make any sense? But once you get the IQ stuff, it explains the discrepancies between rich and poor. And it, it, it gives you a way of understanding how those discrepancies can be so large without stealing. Because if the guy is making 300 times what his worker makes, or his workers make on average, right? They're making 20 bucks an hour. He's making, what, $6,000 an hour. It, you can't understand that just looking at the two of them standing side by side. You can only think, well, the guy's making $6,000 an hour because he's stealing a dollar an hour from 6,000 workers. It's all it can be. It's the only answer that they can think of. Because physical size, physical ability, physical strength, physical endurance, it's not 300 times. Like even a, a fat guy running 100 meters is not 300 times slower than an Olympic athlete, right? Maybe three times slower, four times, not 300 times slower. And so once you have the, the free market meritocracy IQ Pareto principle all floating around in your head, you've got a great answer. You've got a great answer, which is the guy making 300 times more than the workers is delivering 300 times more value to the customers. That's all it means. And again, I know there's corruption. I know that it's not a free market, but you know, just the principle, just in the platonic abstract ideal free market sense, this is where you start from, right? You don't start with all the corruption. You start with the ideal. Like if you want people to be healthy, you have to start with the idea of a healthy body. And then you look at what's deviating from that, right? Unlike being psychiatrists who define conformity with insanity to be sanity. But anyway, perhaps a topic for later. So you have an answer. You have an answer as to why the boss makes 300 times more than the employees. And it's not because the boss is stealing from the employees. It's because the customer's value, the contribution of the boss, 300 times more than the contribution of the workers. Because, what is he, 300 times more rare, 300 times more productive. It's just the way that it is, the way it works out. It's a fact. 
that's the customers who value the CEO at that rate, not. And, you know, like a, 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 here's an analogy, right? Like a, a great singer is not just twice as good as an average singer. Like you listen to Ben Hepner does this radio show and Ben Hepner is this Canadian. I think he's a baritone. I think he's a tenor. But I mean, the guy's voice is it's a gift from the gods. It really is. And, you know, you, if you plug through the whole day and a half of whatever it was of, of Live Aid and you see, you know, Paul Young jumping around and you see Phil Collins missing his piano intro to Against All Odds and you, you know, you listen to Sting warbling along looking like he's vaguely stoned and orbiting the moon and, and then, you, you know, Freddie Mercury comes out bounding out, playing with the camera, doing this weird fascist radio gaga thing with a billion people i mean it's the power of what freddie mercury did i think it's generally recognized as the best live performance in modern music history he's not just twice as good as as the others he's like it's a whole different level it's a whole different level so the left wants to hold on to their exploitation because it serves the government right because if you've got a boss that's stealing from all these workers clearly you need a government to to redistribute the income back and get it back for you and so on right the workers seize control of the means of production. They don't need the boss. They don't need a boss taking a dollar per hour from 6,000 workers so the boss can make $6,000 an hour for producing nothing, for adding no value. So the left desperately needs to fight tooth and nail the IQ reality. Not, it's not even a hypothesis, not even a conjecture. It's just a reality, right? That's what the left needs to do. And if they win and they fight so hard against... Because, you see, the left is supposed to be, well, you know, we're not into religion. We're more into science and facts and empiricism. All the IQ stuff is very, very clear. I mean, IQ correlates to brain size. It correlates to reaction times. It correlates to marital stability, to general health. It correlates to income, to educational attainment, to you name it, right? It's And it's predictive from the test. You're not just... There's a general underlying intelligence that maps all this stuff together. It's done and dusted right it's more than 100 years they've been collecting iq data you can go back in time even to the 1850s with reaction times and with school entrance exam scores and so on you can recognize that the average person in 1850 in england would be the top 15 percent of intelligence at the moment because civilization with leftism transfers resources from the more intelligent to the less intelligent particularly when the less intelligent have babies, which means that since intelligence is 80% hereditary, we're just paying, well, we're using force to reduce the birth rates of intelligent people and increase the birth rates of unintelligent people. It's really a terrible form of eugenics, dysgenics technically. It's horrible, monstrous, but it's great for the less intelligent people because they want free stuff and they don't care about the consequences. If they did, well, you understand, right? So if the left gets their way, then all wealth, it's funny because they hate a concentration of earned economic power, but they absolutely, they hate that. They hate that concentration of earned economic power, but they love the concentration of unearned political power. Oh, they love that stuff. Love that stuff. So in the future, we need to have an answer about wealth discrepancy. Why do men make more than women because women score higher on the personality trait of we like aesthetics and men score higher on the personality trait called we like facts, right? Which is why 
women will make the home beautiful and men will pay for it, <laughs> right? In general, I mean, this is lots of exceptions, but men have higher intelligence on average. Men, particularly the higher levels of IQ, there are virtually no women, as I've said before. So this is why men make more money on average, right? Why East Asians make more money than Hispanics. It's white whites make more than blacks. It's all very understood. It's all very clear. It's all very scientifically validated. And we need to start looking at those facts. Now, the facts themselves are not terrible. They're just facts. They're just facts, but they're terrible to the left because it goes against their entire foundational cult grab for infinite political power, which is that all wealth disparities are explained by exploitation, by theft, by evil capitalists stealing from the workers. That creates rage, that creates resentment, that creates a thirst for violence and revenge that they exploit to climb their bloody steps to ultimate political power, at which point they turn the guns on everyone who disagreed with them and eventually everyone who agreed with them. It's an orgy of death, destruction, violence, and horror, which we've seen played out countless times in history. It is worse than a cult. It's worse than a cult. Because a cult doesn't usually violently inflict itself on a, an entire country or entire culture, entire civilization. So people say, oh, you're just obsessed with this topic. It's like, I'm like a sheepdog, right? And the, 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 the people as a whole, not you guys, are the people as a whole, a bunch of sheep. And I'm a sheepdog racing around trying to keep the wolves away that are wanting to come and tear up the sheep. I'm just racing around, sniffing around, baying, barking, trying to get other sheepdogs to join me because the sheep don't see the wolves all gathering out there. I'm going to savage everyone. Well, not if I have anything to do with it, so. All right. Ben Joy says, how do you differentiate between an NPC and a libertarian? <laughs> if you know the axioms of either, you can reliably predict what either will say. <laughs> yeah. So it's not so much the predictability of the answers that matters. It's whether there's any thought or understanding between the question and the answer. So, I mean, I've said a million times, people say, oh, Steph, you're just an NPC. Because I say, I don't care what the question is, the answer is more freedom. The answer is more freedom, more freedom, more freedom, at all times, under all circumstances, more freedom. People say, oh, it's just an NPC response, you know, you know what he's gonna say, blah, 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 right? But there's a lot of thought that goes between the question and the answer. So the question is not, yeah, tons of libertarians can be NPCs. Absolutely. You know, they just, they, it's input, output, input, output, input, output. So it's, it's whether they're thinking actively and whether they're willing to take on new ideas that are in conformity with their methodology. And that's basically, if somebody's willing to take on new ideas in accordance with their methodology, they're not an NPC. If they recoil from new ideas that don't fit their pre-existing conclusions, even if those conclusions happen to be correct, then, um, what is it, Hamlet says to Laertes? I think it is, where he says, uh, forgive me for I have shot an arrow over my house and hit my friend by accident. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but it's the same thing. Like you can accidentally shoot an arrow over a house, you can hit a correct answer, or you can accept the answer of a smarter person or a wiser person who's got there before you, but can you think for yourself? And not everyone has to think for themselves. It's fine, right? But yes, libertarians can very much be NPCs. I mean, one of the challenges I had with the libertarian community was talking about spanking violating the non-aggression principle. Yeah, so libertarians accept the non-aggression principle, 
except that they're fine with taxation for certain government activities, which is, you know, just a little slavery. It's like, no, no, you got to be principled. People didn't just say, well, let's get slavery down to 10% of what it is now, right? But, uh, yeah, libertarians um, did not have uh, a lot of – well, some did, but but a lot of libertarians kind of freaked out about this non-aggression principle applying to children. And that's how you know that there's NPC stuff going on because it's perfectly in accordance. It's not self-defense. If your children you, – you, you smack your kid or you, you belt your kid or you, you spank your kid and so on, that's not self-defense. kid's not coming at you with a chainsaw. Of course, it's an initiation of the use of force. It's not even that complicated. And I get a whole argument about it, a whole paper about it. Anyway, I also did a debate with Dr. Walter Block about it as well. So, all right. Tony Turley says, what is your assessment of the Enlightenment construct versus postmodernism as measured by the current political ethos? And how do I argue effectively with the postmodernists that I encounter? Ooh, tricky. So the Enlightenment, I mean, it's a huge topic, but very briefly, the Enlightenment was the idea that there's nothing that reason can't do. There's nothing that reason and science and evidence can't do. No corner of the universe we can't peer into with the blinding light of science and still not see anything, right? Okay, maybe black holes, but it's okay because they're from science too. So postmodernism is a way of allowing for the unleashing of rage against reason. Right, Because according to postmodernism, everyone's truth is fine, which means there should be no prejudice against right-leaning people, free market people, conservative people, because their truth is fine, but it's not, right? Because those tend to be more rational perspectives. And so postmodernism is a way of generating and, and lighting up with horrible coals of, of prejudice and rage, anger towards rationality. It's a way of weaponizing people to attack the rational so that the irrational can do their dirty work. Because the funny thing, too, like you can see this happening now with some of the new crop of Democrats, Ilhan Omar and uh, Kamala Harris and uh, Ocasio-Cortez and so on. I mean, they're next level, right? I mean, it, it used to be that JFK was a Democrat. And, I mean, he was... He would be considered like a far-right white supremacist now, right? So it's always moving. It's always moving. And after those guys would come even more lunatic people. And so, yeah, the postmodernists, they're they're, they're trying to widen the gap through which can pour anti-rational orcs that can take down the elves of the Enlightenment. Uh, It is a battle. High IQ, low IQ, high IQ, low IQ, constantly battling throughout history. And uh, the <sighs> people who are wealthy tend to be smarter and tend to be more rational. Not always, but in, and I mean people in the free market, not right. But people who are smart, uh, who are wealthier, tend to be smarter. And dumb genes, the genes for low intelligence, they want to survive and flourish, just like anything else, right? And you've got two subspecies trying to inhabit the same geographical area. You got the smart people, and you got the dumb people. And the smart people start to do well. Now, if the dumb people are a little patient, they say, wow, if the smart people do well, we all, we all get better, right? If, if we allow for the smart people to have their $10,000 cell phones at the very beginning, then we all end up with a cell phone we can buy with no money down and 20 bucks a month and access to all human knowledge, right? 
if we just let the smart people have their way, we all get wealthier. But of course, if the less intelligent people could see that and understand that and, and accept that and work with that, they would be among the smart people already, right? So, so you need people to explain all of this in a language that the average person can understand. And I mean, that's a lot of what I do is just translate all of these things into a way that's uh, to understand that's not overly technical, not overly complicated. Like I did this rebuttal to this guy. Uh, I think his name is Stephen. Uh, he goes by the moniker Rationality Rules. And I mean, he just, man, he just convolutes philosophy up like you wouldn't believe. And untangling all of that makes even me feel convoluted. And I'm very much around, you know, simplifying and explaining things. Because once we can explain to people, it's like, yeah, the, the only way you get to be wealthy is you let the most productive people get the most resources so they can magnify them, right? I mean, if you let the most farmland accumulate into the possession of people who are best able to grow crops, everybody has enough to eat. And explaining that is not that hard, right? So when I say low intelligence, I don't mean that they can't understand this stuff. I just mean that they don't have the high IQ that will have them be some banking executive or whatever it is, right? But they can certainly understand things put in this way and the things put in this context and communicating the free market to people of below average to average intelligence has been a huge necessary thing. And was it Friedman did it with free to choose or was that Friedman? Yeah, I think it was Friedman did it with free to choose and that had a, a big effect on, on Chile versus, um, well, I guess versus Argentina versus Venezuela and so on. But just finding ways to get good ideas into the minds of people who aren't massively sophisticated. It actually is easier in a lot of ways to get free market ideas into people below average to average intelligence because they're not all convoluted and complicated by a whole bunch of sophistry uh, through universities. So um, reason benefits the rational, but human beings have a great history a, a terrible history, so to speak, terrible in, in the sort of Ivan the terrible sense. They have a terrible history of anti-rationality because almost all existing human power structures from the political to the tribal to the religious to the you name it is all based upon a hostility to rationality. All based upon a hostility to rationality. When it comes, earlier I was talking about how the Marxists look at the skinny-armed boss and the strong-armed worker and don't fundamentally understand or pretend not to understand. But when it comes to political power, why on earth should some man or group of men uh, have the power to launch a bomb that can destroy the entire planet and other people don't? Why should some men have the right to collect taxes and other people not only don't, but if they don't obey the collection of taxes, they go to jail. And if they resist, they get shot, right? I mean, that's crazy, right? The way that the Marxists look at the guy who's got 300 times the income, that's only one-tenth of one percent of what I look at when I see people who have infinitely more political power as rulers than those they rule over. I mean, it's ghastly, it's horrible, it's monstrous, right? And so you have to have a massive amount of anti-rationality to sustain these insane political structures that we all are ground into dust under, and power requires anti-rationality. It requires a hostility to rationality, a hostility to empiricism, which is why Plato, 
who was anti-rational in his sense of concept formation. I'm just working on the truth about Plato at the moment. Plato is anti-rational because he believes in this world of forms that can contradict reason and experience, and therefore he's a totalitarian in his political construct. It's the same thing with um, Hegel. Hegel believed in this world spirit that chose certain nations to dominate others and, and... Kant as well, not the world spirit, but Kant had this noumenal reality where you had these higher ideals that couldn't be communicated to people and, and couldn't be expressed in rational terms and weren't subjected to scientific or rational restrictions or anything like that. And all these people are dictators. They love dictatorship. It's probably a better way to put it, right? They, they provide the ideological construct that keeps political power aloft in particular. Whereas if you look at uh, others like John Locke and so on, more empirical, more rational, and less into dictatorship, less into the prince should have the ultimate power. This is my master's thesis, by the way, so just letting you know. So there's something I read when I was doing my research into, I guess, a very popular presentation, The Fall of Rome. So in it, one of the researchers, one of the historians, just wrote kind of an aside in one of his essays that I was reading for the fall of Rome. And he said, yes, but you know, this, you can talk to people, it doesn't really matter, no one ever changes their mind, everybody's just dug into their particular positions, and it's generally just a complete waste of time to try and change other people's minds. Now, when I was younger, I used to believe that we were kind of like a blank slate run by reason. And if people had bad ideas, it's because they had a bad philosophy. And if I fix their philosophy, then they'll have good ideas, right? It's like if, if there's some crap coming down a stream that runs past your property, you know, like yesterday it was perfectly clear and now there's like oil slicks going. Like what happened? Well, somebody put oil or some garbage or crap upstream of your property. So what do you do? Well, you go upstream and you stop whoever is putting the garbage in and you fish it out. And then what happens? Well, there's a little bit of time to clear it away. And then, ah, look, the glistening purple brook, the glistening glistening perfect brook is now floating past and, and you can show up in a David Bowie's song, uh, watch the ripples change the signs, but never leave the stream in any permanent way. So you can clear it up. You just go upstream, take out the garbage. The river runs clear. And that's what I thought about humanity. Eh, You know, people got a lot of bad ideas, but that's okay. You know, I'll just go and help them see how bad the ideas are. And next thing you know, downstream of their bad ideas. Once the bad ideas are corrected, the garbage will stop flowing downstream, stop flowing out of their mouths, and they will speak pure, pure, clear, potable language of healthy imbibing from here to eternity. And uh, I've had to revise that viewpoint just a little bit over the years. That most people's beliefs are a camouflage erected by their genetics. The R versus K stuff, the low IQ versus high IQ, the left versus the right, 
political beliefs are substantially inherited. There are exceptions, of course, and I still labor on with that. But the reality is that trying to get a postmodernist to become an enlightenment person is like trying to get someone with blue eyes to change their eye color to brown. It's like trying to talk a short person into becoming taller. You're, you're arguing with genetics. I wish it weren't that way. But it is. All right. Ah, Rakowza says, Max. Uh, yeah, yeah, the censorship stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, the censorship is, um, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I have been pretty heavily suppressed around various places. It's very hard to get a hold of what it is. And I, you know, I, of course, I ask you to share whatever you can to help that out, right? Because what they do is they make sort of my name so toxic that people are nervous to share. Oh my gosh, you're sharing the, right? And then they start suppressing access to my content online. And then because people aren't sharing and I'm not showing up anywhere, then they just aim to have, you know, it's slow attrition, right? It's slow attrition, right? Some people, they run across hard times. They don't like what I'm saying anymore. They move on. It's natural, right? So you need new people to come in and subscribe, new people to donate and all that. And so the goal, of course, is it's this slow suck the oxygen out of the show approach, right? Which is, well, we'll make him so toxic. People don't want to retweet him or people don't want to share his, his uh, whatever, right? And then we'll slowly strangle the capacity of new people to find his work. And it's, you know, it's not... Uh, it's not an execution. It's a, you know, we'll just slow him down a lot and release a, mos- release a lot of mosquitoes in his general vicinity and he'll just, right? So, yeah, that is, uh, that's how it's being played at the moment and uh, it's quite exciting. Uh, nurse practitioner Bear says, how do you handle it when the media chooses to either ignore your presentations on race and IQ or use them to label you as a hero of the alt Right. Well, that's a basic NPC phrase, right? Alt-right. <laughs> I mean, it's not hard to figure out what my political beliefs are, and they have not changed from the beginning of the show, which is I am a voluntarist. I am an anarchist. Uh, I am uh, a non-Sid Vicious Johnny Rotten style anarchist, right? I mean, they those guys weren't even anarchists either. They just thought it was a cool word to snarl. So, I mean... What can I tell you? I mean, when scientific facts are presented as hysterical political extremism, I mean, what's the plan? I mean, what what's the plan? Hate facts. I don't advocate violence. I don't advocate racism. I fight against it. I'm fighting against racism by talking about these issues as well. <laughs> I was talking to this reporter. Oh, I know. And I was talking to this reporter and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fighting racism with this stuff. Like, how? How is that? What, what are you talking about? And I said, because if all wealth disparities between the races are blamed upon exploitation, then as you invite more and more non-white races into what were formerly white countries or mostly white countries, you're going to generate massive amounts of anti-white racism. And that's going to have very, very unpleasant potentially the ugliest in history kind of outcomes. So, 
most people, of course, I see this is the important thing to understand. And this, it's not a like forgiveness, but it is an understanding that gives me peace of mind because I was very struck by what Socrates said. And it's always moved me quite a bit. What Socrates said about his conscience, his, his daemon. So when he was being accused of all of these terrible things, of corrupting the young, of not believing in the gods of the city, then he said, I have to listen to my conscience. My, my whole life, when I have put a foot wrong or I have lived with less integrity or I have been tempted by falsehood or, or something like that, I, I, I've really had to listen to my conscience. I've really had to listen to whether this little being that sits on my ear and, and whispers whether I'm doing the right or wrong thing. If and, and if my conscience doesn't have any trouble with me, then I don't really have any trouble. I mean, there may be trouble out there. And this is, I believe this too. Like if my conscience doesn't give me any trouble, it's kind of hard for other people to give me trouble. My responsibility is to the truth and to the most benevolent and beneficial truths that I can find. That's my responsibility. Of course, I have a responsibility to you, and I, I want you guys to be happy and proud of what I do. But my foundational responsibility is to the truth, to reason, to evidence, to integrity, to the future, and to wield as many words as humanly possible to keep the swords in the scabbards. I don't know how well that's going to go. I don't. And there's times when it does not look very good at all. But if I have no issue with my conscience, and I don't, I am very proud of what we have been able to achieve in this conversation. I'm very proud of the courage. And you guys are part of my courage. Your, your support financially, your in support emotionally, your enthusiasm, your criticisms, your feedback. This is a an ecosystem of us in broadcasting the truth. If I have comfort with my conscience, there's not much that the world can do to me. And I would rather the world do things to me than be out of sorts with my own conscience. And my conscience is just UPB. I made a podcast years ago that UPB operates, universally preferable behavior operates as an autonomic system in our minds, whether we like it or not, except for maybe all but the most psychopathic. And so you say, you're asking me, how do I handle it when the media calls me a hero of the alt-right? Who remembers who persecuted Galileo? Nobody. Nobody remembers those people. We only know Miletus, who brought charges against Socrates, because Plato wrote the Apology, the defense of Socrates. Most people don't have any access to principles, 
And so when you don't have access to principles, you become as non-volitional as a river coursing down the side of a mountain. What does a river do when a spring emerges at the top of a mountain for whatever reason, maybe a runoff from the snow or something like that? When there's a water source at the top of a mountain and it splashes down all the little nooks and crannies and crevices, what is it trying to do? Does it have any principles? No, of course not. It has only physics, and the physics are find the path of least resistance. That's all. It's all, it's all that just about anybody outside of we happy few have in the world is the path of least resistance. And the sophists and the slanderers and the the defamers, they all know that, right? And so when people see information from me that they find difficult or unpleasant, they don't have any capacity to morally compare what I'm saying to the truth, right? Whether what I'm saying is true is not important to them. It, It doesn't even register. What they do is they're like that body of water, that river, the stream, splashing down the side of the mountain. They just, what's the path of least resistance? They don't have any thought about why something that would be tougher would be worthwhile. So they say, okay, well, so Steph's talked about this. Let's just take the race in IQ. Oh, Steph has brought this. So what the first thing they do is they say it's my opinion or my perspective. Of course, they don't look at the 18, I guess now 19 interviews I've had with world-class experts on the fields of human intelligence. They don't look at any of the data that they put forward, none of the source. They don't care about the truth of it. They care about how they're going to be treated based on their relationship to these facts. That's all. So if somebody says, well, you know, I did look it up. Yeah, this is, this is, this is scientifically valid. I mean, it's infinitely more valid than temperature projections going out 10, 20, 50, or 100 years, right? So yeah, this is, this is true. What he's saying is actually true. Now, why would they say that if they have no relationship to the truth and they have no conscience to speak of, right? Because if you don't have conscience, what slides into its place? You pull out that module called conscience and you get this module called conformity. Social ease, social pleasure, um, avoiding negatives and pursuing positives. And so if some reporter wants to write about me and this race and IQ stuff is there, and then well, the first thing they would do if they had any kind of conscience is they say, well, wow, I've never heard that before. Is it true? Now, if they establish that it's true, which they can do very, very easily, this is not... This is the most established metric in in all of social sciences is IQ, by far. So what they would do, of course, is they would say, well, is it true? Now, once they've established, is it true, then what do they do? (laughs) Are they going to, I mean, they can still write negative things about me, but it gets kind of silly when it's actually true. So what they do is they extract it from reality and they put it, into my mind, and that way they can project all sorts of emotional dysfunction on on me, right? Like, oh, I just dislike this, or I like this, and this race. Or, I mean, just, they can just make up anything that they want because they have cut themselves adrift from any requirement to actually ascertain the facts. It's terrible. I mean, of course it's terrible. Of course it's terrible. But my relationship is to my conscience. And that relationship is facilitated enormously by you. Enormously by you. 
I'm not uh, this this Howard Rockian figure who exists independently of a social circle or people who help me out or people who support me or people who share or donate. I don't. That's a fantasy. That's why it's called fiction. That's not real. That's not with tribal animals. We need support. We need people who care and who know the truth and who care about the truth. So when people take facts and twist them into prejudice or they don't even look into the facts, then conformity to the present is invisibility to the future. I mean, I know they're just going to vanish and they're going to be looked at in the future as um, terrible propagandists who lied for a living, right? It's terrible, terrible stuff. I'm not speaking about anyone in particular, just the general reality of, of this stuff. So if I'm all right with myself, there's not really much the world can do to me because I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this straight up, my friends. The very idea of cutting the throat of the truth in order to appease an ignorant, vicious, and stupid mob is absolutely unthinkable to me. I will not do it. The idea that I would take essential facts and torture them into a broken, dispirited death to appease a vicious, dumb, blind, stupid mob is absolutely unthinkable. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I like there's nothing that the the mob could do to me that would be worse than what that would do to my conscience and and when you when you take that high hard stony path of telling the truth about things that make people uncomfortable but are essential. That's kind of an early decision and I I I remember writing this all down and <laughs> sounds ridiculous. I wrote it down on rice paper and I ate it. So I would ingest it. It would become a part of me. It would be tattooed on my very bones. Do not bear false fucking witness. Do not bear false witness. I won't do it. And there are people out there who are smart enough to see through all this garbage, and there are people out there who eat it up. I will not sacrifice the truth to hatred. I will not sacrifice virtue to vice. I will not sacrifice what is honorable and necessary to what is transitory and hateful. Not going to happen. Tony Turley says, oh, sorry, I did that one. Michael Isaacson says, keep up the good work. And if you are ever in Sweden, let me know if you need help with lodging or logistics. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Got to tell you, if I'm, if I'm ever in Sweden, I'm not entirely sure that lodging will be the issue. Um, in fact, the Swedish government might be quite keen to give me lodging, <laughs> all for very free. Brad Oswald, it's kind of interesting that an atheist can care about truth. Um... 
Listen, I, I, I was going to be snarky. <laughs> For once in my life, it's going to be snarky. With your eyes. But, no, Brad, listen, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I get it. I get it. Atheists can be really annoying. Really annoying. I was just thinking about this today because I was looking at a couple of comments on the rebuttal that I put forward. I hope you'll uh, do it. Um, it's one of the few where I had to actually do three takes. I really, really wanted to get it right. And every time I finished a take, I was like, oh, I forgot this point. It, like, it wasn't like I had the point and forgot it. I just didn't get the point until after. So I hope that you'll check it out. And um, uh, I get it. I get it. Atheists can be... That's why I was thinking about it. I was looking at comments and so on. I don't know if this rationality rules fellow is an atheist or not. I suspect that he is. But yeah, atheists... Uh, Useful lackeys for statism, useful lackeys for the spread of socialism, and um, these days, little little else. Well, it's also, too, because atheism is strongly associated with science, right? And with science, well, most of the scientists are paid for by the government. So it's kind of tough for scientists who drive a lot of atheistic empiricism. It's kind of tough for them to be anti-government because they're, you know, they're being being paid, uh, being paid by the government. So, all right. What else do we have here? Robertville Francois says, aware you are not a fan of man whore. Hmm. But most dating coach recommend men to date lots of women before settling down. Man has to lead relationship experience required, right? Your thoughts, please. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I dated a lot of women before I got married. A lot of women before I got married. And uh, I don't know if I can say that I'm glad I did or not. I was reading, Mike Cernovich uh, tweeted something, as obviously a Twitter you should follow, but he tweeted something today, I can understand why, about a fellow who met, he was 23, I think, he met a girl at a dance and they walked and they were in his place for five minutes and then they went back to the dance place and there was no evidence that he'd raped her as far as I can see, like no DNA evidence that he raped her. The guy got 12 years in prison. And I, I tweeted and I said, I don't know, like I don't have a really, really great answer, but letting young people be in full control of their own sexuality doesn't seem to have been the wisest decision possible. Now, someone else tweeted... Uh, a Muslim tweeted about his Muslim upbringing where he was told when he was being educated that you, you put a wrapper on a lollipop, otherwise the ants will swarm it, right? This is, I guess, covering up women and so on, right? And I don't have any particular problem if you want to date a lot of women. I think women get smashed up in particular more than men do when you date. We're, we're kind of hardwired for spray and pray, right? And and women are, are more pair bonded, at least the case selected women. So you're damaging your culture and your society as a whole if you date a lot of women because you're shredding a little by little each of those women's capacity to pair bond and to be a good wife and a good mother. So you'll get your rocks off, right? You'll You'll drain the cherries, but you are, you know, penis stabbing away with a jackhammer at the foundations of your entire civilization because you date around and the women get kind of broken and then they can't pair bond and then they don't have kids. And uh, it's like, yeah, well, you got your rocks off and you 
squirted your seed onto stony ground and that's it for you and your entire culture and history and you know we've worked pretty hard to develop the west you know it seems like something worth keeping so yeah i did date a lot when i was younger but i don't know is this the right place for it yeah okay i'll drop it in i was actually kind of curious a couple of years ago I, you know, you get these things out of the corner of your eye. This happens online, right? Like you'll see someone's name. You're like, oh, is that? And then you're like, you look at it. It's not, right? So I just saw the name of a woman I used to date when I was in my early 20s. Early 20s? Late teens, early 20s. And I was just kind of curious. So I uh, looked her up. And from from what I could tell... She lives with some dogs. She's not married. And, you know, by this age, right, means you're not. Right? And they have kids and all that. And I thought, gosh, you know, I wonder because, you know, she really did love me, she said. And I just, you know, I mean, I don't think it was just me, but I'm just wondering if that was because she dated a lot of guys and ended up without the ability to pair bond and therefore can only handle pets rather than children and, and a family. I don't know, right? Because there's this weird thing that happened, like, from the 50s to the 70s. And it's really, really a short period of time. The boomers just completely gave up on any attempt to regulate sexuality on the part of the young. Just any attempt at all. I'm not talking about, you know, guardian zombie headless monkeys chained to a chastity belt. I'm just talking about anything. Anything. You know, I'm a... My, I knew guys, like, they'd bring their girlfriends over and their parents would be like, okay, well, we'll just head out for dinner. You guys have the place to yourself. And it's like, really? That's, we just completely gave up. I mean, I know the welfare state, on the birth control, but come on. Like, just completely gave up on any kind of regulation of sexuality. And it's not true for the Christians and it's not true for the Mormons. And it's right. So, I, I mean, I know that there's exceptions, but man, alive. When I was growing up, it was... Um, I was just a zoo. No, it was worse than a zoo because zoo, you got barriers between the animals. It was like a, a squalid flesh pit of transitory lust and abandonment. So I don't think that you need to date lots of women before settling down. You just need to know what the hell your values are and talk about it with someone you're interested in dating. Then you don't need to bounce back and forth like a pinball until you find the right person. You just have to know what your values are and just date according to those values. And that way, you can maintain your ability to pair bond. You can maintain other women's ability to, to pair bond. And you can maintain the foundations of your civilization. So, And dating is different from sleeping with lots of women sleeping with lots of women is is dangerous uh, it's std written you can have unwanted pregnancies you can get stalkers you can just trip over some hot mess crazy psycho glenco style woman who's going to turn your life into a living hell you can have people make false accusations against you these days um, and i mean we've all read the statistics right you can get kicked out of school you can get a permanent stain on your record you can go to jail for 12 years i don't know if this guy's guilty or not but it looks kind of flimsy to me so it's really dangerous uh, out there. Uh, it's really dangerous out there. So um, date, sure, but uh, don't sleep with, right? And date in public places, right? I mean, this is the, what's the Mike Pence rule. He doesn't spend time alone with women who aren't his wife. Yeah, of course, of course. All right. Veritas Pesum says, Ben Shapiro thinks Trump will lose the 2020 election. 
what do you think Trump's odds are at winning, specifically against Bernie and other progressive left candidates? It's, I think it's going to be tight, but I think Trump has a good shot if he really wants it. Now, there's things that Trump's going to have to actually <laughs> start doing if he wants to win. This is my free advice to Trump. He has got a, I don't know if it's Kushner or whoever, he's just got to stop this insane, we want more and more legal immigration. No, no, stop it. Just stop it. Was it 50, 60 million people pouring into America over the last couple of decades? Like, dude, stop. Stop eating. Give, give, give your country a chance to digest. Give, give your country a chance to build the infrastructure that it needs for all those people because they're not evenly spread across the American landscape. They're concentrated in cities. You have the rise of medieval diseases recurring in America because people are crapping on the streets. They're literally squatting and crapping in the streets. And you are getting diseases never before seen outside of medieval Europe re-emerging in America. There's not enough roads. There's not enough houses. There's not enough plumbing. There's not enough electricity generation. There's not enough of anything. You know, a country is like a boat. You put too many people on it, it sinks. Now, I don't know, because people were concerned not just about illegal immigration, was it 320,000 plus people have had DACA and renewed just in the last little while? For God's sakes, listen to your base. Listen to your base. They elected you to slow down and some even to stop mass immigration. You know, the blacks in America have a right because they did a lot to build America. They've been in America for coming on half a millennia now. So the blacks in particular, more so than the Hispanics, the blacks in particular have a right to be protected. They have a right for rising wages. They have a right to participate much more in the American dream. And you keep pouring more and more and more people into the country, driving down the wages, destabilizing the tax base. You know, you got... LBJ getting a lot of blacks addicted to the welfare state in the 1960s, that's bad enough. Then you start piling more and more people onto the damn welfare state, you are going to bankrupt this thing like that. 74% of immigrants are on some form of welfare. So you don't get, to some degree, blacks addicted to the welfare state and then pile more and more immigrants under the welfare state till you break the back of the welfare state at the same time as you're driving down wages, it is hurting the black community massively. You gotta wean the black community and the poor white community and the poor Hispanic community. I'm getting that. I'm talking about the blacks as one of the two foundational races of the American experiment. One, to some degree there by choice, although they were fleeing much persecution in England, the blacks not there by choice because there are 375,000 of them brought over as slaves. They're not there by choice. You get it? They didn't emigrate voluntarily. So protect their interests, for God's sakes. Stop with all this H-1B stuff. I know that the corporations really, really like it. But the corporations are looking at next quarter. Corporate planning for the long term has largely gone out the window because there's so much, I call it the supercharged stock market, so much of people's money is being forced into the stock market that it's just this massive slush fund 
of money looking for every little nook and cranny of every little conceivable advantage. So businesses have stopped thinking about five and 10 year plans. They're just like next month, next quarter, can we maintain our stock price? Because people have money in the stock market, like 95% of the money in the stock market just shouldn't be there. People aren't putting it there because they love the stock market. They're putting it there because if they don't, it'll be taken by the tax man, taken by the IRS. They're forced, herded, rampaged into the stock market. So businesses are no longer thinking about the long term because the businesses, if they were thinking about the long term, they'd say, wow, well, these H-1B visa things, this is pretty bad, right? That's not going to work in the long run because people coming over, they don't have a lot of cultural compatibility sometimes. They're only here for the money. They're not a lot of stability going forward. It's a lot of young men. So there's that, right? They're not, they're just like this quarter, this quarter, this quarter, that's it. So you got to stop the H-1B visas. There is no shortage of American workers, you understand. There's no shortage of Native American workers. And by that, I'm generally meaning the blacks and whites who founded the country. One more voluntarily, one not voluntarily at all. There's no shortage of American workers at all. So it is wrong to facilitate the short-term predatory profits of capitalist corporations in return for selling out the future of your country. You can't expect the corporations to do it, but the government should damn well do it. And this idea that he wants some sort of, like with Trump, it's like more and more and more, we want the highest rates of legal immigration, blah, blah, blah. You understand that the left has focused almost all the immigration into the third world, into non-whites. Why? For two reasons. One is that non-whites will vote for the left. And two is that anyone who then criticizes immigration can be called a racist because it's mostly non-whites who are coming to America. Well, why don't you white? Why don't you want the non-whites here? Well, one answer is that they keep voting for the left, and the other answer is, to some degree, race and IQ. It's not that complicated. You see, that's why they shut down the race and IQ. They call everyone who criticizes immigration a racist because they just right. They just. The right outbreeds the left because Christians outbreed socialists. And so the left, by having lower fertility rates as a whole, is going to, they would, there'd be no political party if they didn't have mass immigration, right? They, they're barely able to win elections when they've stuffed 40 million new voters for the left into the country over the past half century, right? They're barely able to hang on to 50%, even with being buoyed up by tens of millions of immigrants who are voting left. And even with 95, 93% of the black community voting left, even with the majority of American Jews voting left, even with the support of the mainstream media and academia and all this mass immigration, they're barely able to function as a party. So if Trump wants more and more and more immigration, he's just serving up more free votes for the left, for the Democrats. And the more they get a demographic base, the further left they can go, which is why... Ocasio-Cortez is to the left of Bernie Sanders. Kamala Harris, Ilhan Omar, and so on could be considered more authoritarian than even Ocasio-Cortez. They keep moving left because they keep getting more and more of the demographic base. So Trump, if he wants to win, he's going to have to 
Now, maybe this is a second term thing for him, right? I don't know, right? I mean, maybe his first term is like, well, I can't do that much because I got to get to my second term. But once I'm in my second term, I don't have to worry about my third term. I mean, unless he's going to go FDR style into some endless war. Once Trump's in his second term, then it's possible that he will 180 on immigration. But it's kind of tough when Trump keeps hiring people who hate Trump. It's a little tough to understand how he's building an administration of anti-Trumpers, of never-Trumpers, and then, well, I'll just reverse it after 2020. How are you going to do that when you hired all these people? He should have just hired from the base. He should have just hired from all the people who supported him, regardless of their experience. But he kind of went uber-safe, uber-conservative in terms of hiring the Washington elite who hate him. And maybe, maybe he put a bunch of offers out to other people behind the scenes and we don't. Like, they looked at the gathering storms of, of Mueller and other lunatics and, and they said, well, I'm not getting involved with that. I mean, General Michael Flynn now has, what, $5 million U.S. in legal bills? It's monstrous. So Trump, if he does some subtle counter-signaling against this whole, I love immigration, I want everyone to come in, right? Dude, they're going to call you racist either way. I mean, come on. I mean, what do you got to lose? <laughs> what do you got to lose? There is a certain kind of peace and clarity when you've had every negative label attached to you. It's like, well, what are they going to call me now? Satan himself. Actually, they probably think that'd be kind of cool. So, yeah, I mean, there's some things he could do that would really help his odds. Uh, the, the Cernovich has a great point where he says that uh, Trump should say that uh, in America, he should say that you have to be biologically a woman to compete in female sports because he's saying, look, you got him. This is Cernovich points, and I'm, I'm apologies if I get this wrong, Mike, but it's something like this. Well, he says, look, you got a bunch of moms in middle America who are watching their daughters no longer get college scholarships because some guy who flipped genders is now competing and is winning. And so in the context of America, right, I mean, that would be something that is possible. And I'm simply repeating that from what Mike Cernovich says. That's his sort of argument regarding American politics. I think that's interesting. I don't, you know, that, that might help. I think that doing something to reduce the problems with higher education would help a lot. I think that uh, higher education debts, uh, student debts should be dischargeable through bankruptcy in America. That that would be my argument, my, my thought, because um, right now, so many people are piling into American universities and getting propagandized into the left and emerging with terrible economic prospects and chained to debt. So when Bernie's talking about free college education and so on, that's kind of important. But I also think that it would reorient the um, universities closer to providing actual value to people if they couldn't debt enslave people virtually, debt surf people um, into the future forever because people can't discharge debts through bankruptcy, through student debts through bankruptcy. So I think that would be that would be helpful. You know, I do think that Americans get kind of frustrated when they see that their tax dollars are going to go build a wall in Israel, but not in America. That's not great. And I think he needs to 
focus a little bit less on Israel, a little bit more on America, which was kind of his whole deal, right? Uh, one of his whole deals was reject the false song of globalism. Well, Israel is not within the borders of America. It's part of the globe. So that would include, I think, as well. So if Trump is able to pull some of this stuff off, I think he's got a pretty good shot. But he may be the last Republican because the demographics are so much in the favor of the left that the only way that the Republican Party can pretend to continue to exist is to just adopt pretty much every policy of the left and uh, just call themselves Republicans, which has been sort of their policy for the last 50, 60 years. So if nothing changes, Trump has alienated a lot of his base, I think. And if nothing changes now for me, I mean, knowing how bad things were going to be under Hillary, you know, I'm still I still prefer Trump, obviously, over Hillary. I mean, I'm not an American, so I'm just speaking from outside of of this sort of stuff. But um, looking at America, I mean, yeah, Hillary would have been a complete disaster. And the other thing, too, like, I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, it seems pretty clear to me that the Obama DOJ, the Obama FBI and so on did weaponize themselves into spying and... and, uh, doing all these terrible things against the Trump campaign and the whole Russia collusion conspiracy theory, the paranoid fantasy and all of that. It's all fallen apart. And yeah, it was pretty, pretty messy. And um, I love what Tom Fitton is doing, obviously with his bench pressing as well as the work that he does through Judicial Watch. But I think like most people, I would not put a lot of money on anything accumulating in terms of consequences or, or responsibility for these people. But yeah, I think there are some people who are still very, very keen on Trump, and I listen to them, and I think it's very interesting, and I am specifically avoiding misgendering anyone. Very, very important. And um, I think if he can adjust things a little bit in his campaign, if he can start to get the wall built, if he can reduce the foreign aid that's going out, I think that will help a lot. And if he can start to talk about the American workers who are being left behind because of mass immigration, I, and if you can get some control over the universities by allowing students to discharge their debts, then I think he's he's got a pretty good shot. He's got a pretty good shot. But um, it's going to be hard for him to, to harness the same level of enthusiasm as he did in 2015, 2016. And uh, he's going to have to figure that one out. I mean... Uh, I would say that uh, I certainly have more ideas, but uh, uh, I'm not a paid political consultant. So, <laughs> all right, let me just see if there's anyone else. If there's, I, I know I missed some, so let me just figure this out. Oh, the boomer tech. And uh, by the way, I really do appreciate everyone coming by. I hope you uh, enjoy these uh, chats. Uh, I certainly do. And uh, it's, uh, I, sh- I try and do them more often. I, I really will. Uh, so let me just... Uh, make sure that I got what I need to for let's see here yeah, like chats. there was a oh I'm sorry to be you know, I'm not even a boomer that's what's annoying I'm not technically a boomer what is your favorite one liner you mean like joke I don't know I don't know. Nothing pops into my mind or everything that does is I've been around. I've been a father so long that all I have is like dad jokes. So <laughs> I don't think that we really want uh, want that. Um, let's see here. Do I ever think African-Americans will stop voting for 
the um, the DNC for the the Democrats. Well, you know, Candace Owens and and Charlie Kirk and others are doing some very, I think, fascinating, interesting, and, and potentially powerful work. So you can look at Blexit B L E X I T, and Candace has a new show which is well worth checking out. So they don't need uh, to get them all; they just need to get some, and I think that will help. Of course, the fact that the economy is doing better in many ways is good. And if people are not taking welfare but rather paying taxes, they're going to be more likely to vote for uh, Republicans. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, a real, it's a real challenge. It's a real challenge. All right. Um, let me just see here. What else do I have to get? Uh, hi, St- uh, Kingdom Nate says, hi, Stefan. Thanks for the live shows. It's my pleasure. Felix Pascal says, can a gay man who wishes to have a family morally settle down with a woman? Surrogacy is clearly immoral. Is paying the mother to abandon the child. Thanks a lot for your work. God bless your fam. I don't know. See, morally is interesting because to me, I don't have a lot to complain about if people are telling the truth. So obviously you wouldn't want to deceive a woman regarding this. But I think as long as you're telling the truth, I think that's uh, I think that's fine. So uh, I would say go forth and multiply, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Now I'm so sorry. Just uh, let me just take a pause here for just a second because. And by the way, it's nice that a couple thousand of you are dropping by here and there. Very very pleasant and enjoyable to to see. So let me just see here because. And if you know this in the chat window, please do let me know. Because it used to be that I could see all of the, I'm, I know I missed some of these. It used to be that I, um, maybe the pop-out chat, that, um, oh yes, I'm still worried. So Joshua Paulson says, I'm still worried about rescuing high tech from the progressives, right? Yeah, well, see, I mean, this is uh, affirmative action, right? Particularly for women, for, for other groups, affirmative action creates this portal through HR through which the progressives pour because they're not much use in the programming environment. I mean, I, uh, I enjoyed my time as an entrepreneur before the company needed an HR department. Uh, that was, that was really, really great. So that is a big, it is a big challenge. And all I can suggest is that we, me and, and others just continue to, to try and produce just the very highest quality content that we can think of, you know, take necessary risks, but not foolish risks, like find that Aristotelian balance between cowardice and foolhardiness. So don't avoid necessary topics, but don't goad yourself into becoming unpersoned and and all of that. So find that balance, be authentic, be honest, be passionate, be funny, be goofy if necessary, just to keep people's interest and attention. And uh, hopefully that will, uh, will help a lot. Elliot Brown says, will you come back to New Zealand after the fiasco last time? A lot of us love you here. I, it's a wonderful invitation. I will, um, I will keep that in mind. I will keep that in mind. Thank you. Uh, Chris P says, have you heard Vox Day's arguments against free trade as well as his arguments for national capitalism? If not, you should check it out on his channel, The Dark Stream. All right. Thank you. Chris Baker, America needs to import women from Latin America because those cultures still take marriage and family seriously. What do you think? Well, I think that the average Hispanic IQ is in the high 80s. So, all right. Max Stahl says, would you do a video on the public's fascination with psychopaths? The Ted Bundy documentary on Netflix and Zac Efron playing him in a film made me interested in why some women did and still find him attractive and enigmatic. 
yeah, you know, I was down in, in New York. I had to get some photos done and, and shoot some promos and, and stuff like that. So I was down in New York a couple of months ago. I'm walking down Times Square and like there's like the the, the Ted Bundy story and, and then there's some new uh, movie about, um, oh, who's that guy who got his uh, uh, Bobbitt? Louina Bobbitt cut off her husband's penis and threw it on the road or something like that. And it's like psychopath here and, and, and domestic, horrible domestic abuse here. And it's like, God, we're in hell. God, we're in hell. Uh, I will. Uh, I will think about that. Um, I will think about that. Let me just make a little note here. Public's fascination with psychopaths. All right. Well, I mean, I would say this, that uh, we have a sense that, that winter is coming, right? I mean, you don't have to be a genius to recognize that the unfunded liabilities can't be paid, the national debt can't be paid off. And so I would say that women are going to be more and more attracted to more and more aggressive guys because the plenty is is coming to an end, right? That this endless summer of fiat currency and debt and promises made that can't be kept is all coming to an end. And what that means is that women are going to start to look for more aggressive guys because resources are going to become scarce. So that would be my guess about what's going on there. Now, look at that. I just did my video. Uh, let's see here. Does skin color or eye color get you more privileged? Does an unattractive five foot six white man with brown eyes have a leg up on an attractive six foot three black man with blue eyes? Wow. I guess it depends on people's knowledge about various things. Uh, where do you see the West in 10 years? Oh, don't give me these passive questions like I'm just an observer. I'm hoping to guide the West with your help and support. I'm hoping to guide the West. And I know I'm having a big impact. So um, where, where, where we all want it to go. Uh, Sigmund Floyd. <laughs> Sigmund Floyd says, next time you come to Vancouver, don't. Come to Abbotsford. We'll take care of the protesters. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Ryan McMullen, would you consider inviting Michael Knowles on your show? And who might that be, he wondered. Uh, we'll have a look. I do not know. Uh, I will um, uh, I will have a look. It's huh. a fairly pleasant looking fellow. I will just make a note of that. Thank you. All right. Um, let's do a couple more. These are These are too much fun. All right. Uh, we did that one and with the culture war getting more intense do you think there is any way to find common ground before culture war turns to open war i hope so i'm i've got a couple of videos planned where i'm going to try and find more common ground so uh right uh, double dog bear says asking for everyone why do you skip large super chats are you deliberately going for randomness and not highest bidder you missed a lot of big ones everybody better high five me for spending my own money to ask this oh, i'm so sorry i really I really am sorry. <laughs> right, I really am. Let me just see. And I'm sorry too because they 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 appear and then and then they don't. So, uh if I don't get to them now, I absolutely promise you that I will find a way to get uh, to get to them. I absolutely promise you. So, let me just have a quick look here and see if I can find them and I'm I thought that they just showed up below at least they did before but YouTube is going through this whole revolution where it's like hey we had an easy interface let me give you a progress bar and take 10 seconds what to to do what used to happen in one second now that's just kind of a sad thing that's happening and um, uh, if uh, anybody wants to um, 
give me any super chats that I missed, just throw them into the regular chat and I will get to them. I absolutely am sorry and I feel wretched about that. And uh, I will do my very best uh, to... Um, do I know what the Fabian Society is? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, throw them. Throw any chats that you missed. And uh, I will... Uh, who is smarter, Justin Trudeau or Mr. Bean? <laughs> well, the guy who did Mr. Bean, uh, Rowan Atkinson, is actually a pretty smart guy, wasn't he? And uh, he was going to be a, an engineer or something like that when he realized he was good at comedy. All right. Message retracted. Oh, I can do quite a lot on that. All right. Let me just scroll back up here and see if I what I, what I missed because I am sorry. I, did, I do these long speeches and then the um, super chats have vanished and I'm sure that I have better... Uh, Oh, yeah, I can keep scrolling up here. Okay, New Zealand. Um, and let me see what I missed here, because I think we can still get something. Does it just scroll off completely? Oh, no, it scrolls off completely. Oh, no. Uh, you know what I should do? Here's what I'm going to have to do. Here's what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to get someone to gather my super chats for me. Yes, that's what I'm going to have to do, because I did miss some, and... They, yeah, they, they basically, they're like a train going across the top of the screen. And when I do a long speech, they've kind of all dropped off. And I cannot, for the life of me, see how to uh, get uh, get them back. Oh, tragic. Yeah, it used to be. It used to be right here. Anyway, sorry, it's really, really boring to do all of this stuff. So I will, uh, I'll get them in the replay. And I am sorry. I will absolutely ask them. Uh, I will absolutely get to them. Uh, I know it's weird. I mean, that used to be. Maybe this is something that has changed. Let me just try. Let me just try a refresh here on the whole on the whole page, and see. Because yeah, it used to be that uh, they would just show up, and uh, now they just vanish, and I can't uh, find them until uh, I get uh, get in here after. Uh, what are your opinion on the National Party in Ireland? I'm a member. I believe it's Ireland's best chance at survival. National Party in Ireland, like the People's Party of Canada, absolutely well worth getting uh, into and, and understanding and learning about and all kinds of stuff, for sure. So, uh, yeah, do that. Uh, <laughs> do that for sure. Uh, what is the meaning of life? Um, be good and do good. That's really all... Uh, all we've got. Try setting a super chat filter. <gasps> what does that mean? Tell me what that means. Uh, I'm going to wait. Yeah, I know. Was this guy a programmer? Look, I mean, I, I can't, uh, you know, I can't. It's just setting a super chat filter. So I've got stop chat and live chat. Now, live chat, how far back do we go? I'm so sorry. It is... Um, uh, it is uh, live chat. Will you do an analysis of goodwill hunting for people with high IQ? Hmm, that's interesting. I will make a note of that. That is a very interesting idea. I like the movie quite a bit, although what's happened to Matt Damon uh, and, and uh, Ben Affleck since is kind of an object lesson in how bad things can go. Stefan, did you have hair as a kid? Any pictures? <laughs> yes. Do you get love letters? No. Uh, not really, no. Very, very rare. Opinion on couples who don't want kids. You're benefiting from life. Uh, your parents had you. I assume if you're still alive, you like of it. Uh, so, 
Stefan, how much Jew are you? Um, not Jew. <laughs> My memory is so uh, 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 way back in the day. Uh, this is, I don't know, like 10, 12, 15 years ago, something like that. I was in the car and I was talking about my family history and I talked about a grandmother who was Jewish. And then I, this comments came up and I was like, I uh, remembered, remembered. It's like, no, 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 because I sort of went through it in my head because I met my grandmother, but she was my step-grandmother. And because my mother's biological mother died in the Second World War and she was not Jewish. And so... My memory is that my father married a Jewish woman before he married my mother's biological mother. And so I have a step-grandmother. I was not raised Jewish. I've never been to a synagogue, and I'm not circumcised for those who care. And uh, so, no, I do not identify as uh, Jewish. I do not have any Jewish education. I do not speak Hebrew. I've never been to a synagogue. So, so yeah, that is the, uh, that is the, the reality. All right. Uh, hey, Stefan, how do you learn philosophy by yourself? Do you set a time frame, read directs, texts, or guides by subject or chronologically? How do you learn philosophy by yourself? I didn't learn it by myself. I mean, I was taught the basic principles by, I mean, I, I learned some useful stuff from Ayn Rand. I used to learn some useful stuff from Aristotle. I took an entire full year course, if I remember rightly, on Aristotle, did extra bonus essays and sat with this wonderful female professor to, to learn more about that. And um, I, of course, have... Um, now talked to a whole bunch of people over the last 15 years. So um, I would say just keep uh, keep learning, keep thinking, keep reading, keep studying. So, All right. What are you currently reading? Oh, yes. Okay. Let me just give you a little plug here. I'm going to try and put the show out tomorrow, but I'll put the plug out here anyway, which is the book is called At Our Wits End. At Our Wits End. Let me just get the full title for you. Um So the author uh, at our wits end. Oh, okay, at our. Uh, this is a good book. Very good book. Uh, right. So the book is um, at our wits end. Why we are becoming less intelligent, and what it means for the future. And the author is Michael A. Woodley, W. O. O. D. L. E. Y, and Edward Dutton. And the book is very good. At our wit's end, why we're becoming less intelligent and what it means for the future. And it's very, uh, I don't think there's no, there's no audio book yet available, but um, it's well worth looking at it. All right. The Daniel times three. With the rise of open socialism in American politics, how long before open communists are elected? Well, again, you're asking for inevitabilities. Just fight it tooth and nail, uh, peacefully and reasonably. Water Lemonish. Hmm. Is it because of your comments from your past life shows that, that I have decided I will never harm myself no matter how bad things get or how painful the truth in your videos can be? Thank you. Oh my gosh, man. That's a beautiful sentiment. Oh, my lady, that is a beautiful sentiment. Do not harm yourself. You know, if you're going to harm yourself, like cutting yourself or, or starving yourself or putting yourself in incredibly risky situations and so on, in my particular opinion, you're almost always pursuing a death wish that's been implanted in you usually by a parent who desires you harm and don't don't succumb to that bradley ingram are you a prepper and what are your thoughts on prepping for natural disasters end of civilization events and the prepping community i think the prepping community is great uh, i certainly have taken some precautions to put it mildly and you should everybody should look into it absolutely and let us see 
All right. I'm going to try one more. If anybody knows how <laughs> if anybody knows how I can get to these chats, I do not want people to feel at all hard done by through their generosity. Uh, I really um, appreciate, you know, these these uh, donations is is absolutely wonderful and uh, I care about your questions that I really really want to get to them, but unfortunately they seem to be they well, they certainly vanished from from the screen and I will try to get hold of them. And yeah, they they used to be here. Now they all gone. They all gone, my friends. Again, it could be something new. But yeah, so right underneath the video, I used to be able to get all of the uh the super chats. But they're gone. So I will I will do a show uh hopefully tomorrow where I will get the the super chats. Somebody has asked can I talk more about this this death wish? This death wish. So yeah, there was a psychiatrist I read years ago who said that uh, everybody who harmed himself had sort of parental alter egos. Everyone of his patients who had the urge to harm themselves had these parental alter egos or super egos commanding them to harm themselves. And child abuse implants itself within you, becomes sort of an autonomous running program in your mind unless you really work to disrupt it, which takes a lot of anger against... Uh, your your parents if they've been abusive and so if you have a desire for self-harm somebody's hand is guiding that somebody's hand is guiding that knife if you're cutting yourself somebody's hand is is if you're drinking and, and driving or engaged in dangerous activities some there's some death wish and we don't just sort of wake up and say hey i think i'm gonna harm myself i mean th that stuff gets implanted in us pretty early and pretty harshly and uh, you really really have to the, the way to fight back against that is to get angry against the people who induce that kind of thinking in you because it's not natural it's not healthy and it is not uh not right uh okay so i got that and let me just see here ryan says any advice on trying to connect with my mother further who i have a very distant relationship with since my parents broke up at age nine i'm 22 now why? Why do you want to connect with your mother if you have a very distant relationship? It's it's her job. Like it's it's the like I'm a I'm a father now. My my daughter's ten, and you should check out her Minecraft videos. They really are a lot of fun. But um, the parents run the relationship. Parents run the. You, if you've ever been in a business environment where you have a difficult boss, I'm sure you have. Everybody has, right? But you know, how easy is it for you to what's called manage upwards? How easy is it for you to get your boss to change things? Well, or to change your boss, your boss has very little influence on you relative to your parents, your parents define the relationship. And it doesn't mean that you can't do anything about it. It's just well, first of all, why do you want a relationship with a woman who doesn't really care about you? Like why? You know, first thing I do when I get up, I go wake up my daughter and we, we sit and we chat and we play. And I mean, that's just I, I love spending time with her. So why, if, if you have a mother who doesn't really care about you and you've barely seen in, in what, uh, 13 years? Or you have very distant relatives. Why? I mean, why, why wouldn't you want to save your energies for someone who loves you? Why wouldn't you want to save your energies for someone who cares about you, who's committed to you? Why do you want to chase this ghost of history who doesn't really want to spend any time with you? I mean, what's that going to burn up in your life? How much energy are you going to waste burning up the precious fuel of attachment trying to rope a ghost who vanished 13 years ago? Why? 
Why? It's going to harm you to chase someone like a mother who doesn't care about you. It's going to harm you and, and you're going to have less love available after you burn it up. Like taking a flamethrower to mist after you burn it up. Ah, all right. Uh, non-aggression principle in animals and plants. Okay. So we should not be cruel to animals. We should not harm animals in terms of torturing them or anything like that. But animals are not part of universally preferable behavior because they cannot conceptualize morality. There may be some instinctual, reciprocal altruism among animals, but they are not part of universally preferable behavior because they cannot, they cannot conceive of moral abstractions. Now, again, this does not mean that, you know, I, I try to minimize animal harm and, and all of that, but uh, we are not foundationally grounded on the same moral responsibilities to animals that we are to human beings. So if you look at, I think any just or reasonable legal system would look at a certain IQ level and below and say, okay, well, there's not really any practical moral responsibility there and animals are lower than that. So I would say be as nice to animals as possible, minimize animal consumption where reasonable, but we are not um, morally responsible to animals in the same way that we are to people. And given the um given all, all of the threats that are facing our society focusing on animals is really missing the point because if we can't sustain our civilization just imagine how difficult it's going to be for the damn cows or all of the other livestock where the farmers may not be able to uh might get anything what are your thoughts on jane elliott's blue eye brown eye experiment I don't know. I have an 8 out of 10 adverse childhood experience score. I'm so sorry about that. Your work has helped me very much. Thank you for all that you do, Steph. I don't know, but let me have a look here. I will just copy that. Oh, look at this. Yeah, all copy and paste and all kinds of good stuff there. I will check that out and have a look. All right. Uh, how much of an agenda is porn pulling? <laughs> I know porn is loved by leftists and liberals. What do you think of the porn industry? And how do you think... The porn industry, uh, do you think the porn industry should be shut down? Well, no, it's exploitation of trauma, but it is not the direct initiation of the use of force. And I think people should just be educated about stuff. And um, you know, I mean, uh, just recognize where it comes from and, and how damaged people are being exploited to some degree. Chris Jansen says, my daughter's school is getting a really gifted program because there's not enough children of color. Do I fight it and become a pariah or just move? I guess you missed the earlier part about homeschooling. So <laughs> that would be my uh, particular uh, approach to that. All right. Oh, wait. <gasps> wait. Super chat. Send a highlighted. Oh, I thought that that was going to be a super chat option. But no. But no. There are no super chats. I'm so sorry. Okay. Well, I'm going to stop apologizing because it's a waste of everyone's time. But just please recognize that I am sorry and I will get to it. All right. Let's do one or two more. I can't believe it. it's almost two hours. What a flyby. King Nothing says, hello, Stefan. Thank you for helping me dare unlock that anger you mentioned earlier. It helped me stop viewing myself as a joke and allowed me to finally talk with my father. Yeah. 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 I, um, I appreciate that. Anger is a, it's a very, very scary thing. You know, when you've been raised in an environment where you're not allowed to be angry, 
then uh, anger is is uh, feels like a form of suicide. It does because right. All right. So what are your thoughts on Robert Nozick's books, Anarchy State and Utopia? I'm ashamed to say I've not read it, but it's you know it's been on one of my lists uh, for a long time. But uh, and now that I'm not doing quite as many interviews, I have a little bit more time to read. And uh, yeah, guys, let me know just at the end of this all. Let me know if there are other sh- other shows, other types of shows that you would like to. Uh, that you would like me to do? Is there anything that you miss or anything that you want to um, get more? So uh, just uh, let me know just in the end here. Stefan, okay. Is it fair to say that globalism and feminism had a part to play in the financial crisis as families had less money for subprime mortgages? Now, the financial crisis was largely driven by the government uh, forcing banks to lend to underqualified minorities in general, right? I mean, because they said, well, you're not lending enough to blacks and Hispanics, so they extended those loans, and uh, it was just uh, just wretched. Steph, I'd like to see you do an analysis of the Fountainhead. Oh, I did, actually, on um, Jake's show years ago, but I will do another one for sure. Uh, are you a Camille Pallia fan? She is interesting, and she's definitely volatile and a great writer. And she's somebody, it's kind of like Nietzsche. She simulates my thinking, but does not work from first principles. So, Oh, maybe you can see all Super Chat purchases for the last 30 days. Oh, really? Oh, don't tease me now. Oh, there's a website. Oh, oh, oh. Download Bollywood. No viruses for sure. All right. Uh, let me just see here. Oh, uh, let me try. Let me try. I think it's a safe site. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's see. <gasps> oh. Oh, my gosh. You are my new hero. You're hired. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Bookmark that, baby. Oh, thank you. All right. Stop typing. <laughs> Stop typing. Your interpretation on Plato's Thumus Thymus? Just wait. I got a whole thing about um, the truth about Plato coming out. So, and the Q. That was from Ellie Brown. And the Q says, Stefan, Imperials or Stormcloaks? And why? And uh, I will do a Let's Play of my... Um, I haven't played Skyrim in forever, but I will do a Let's Play with my last Skyrim thing. And um, I really haven't followed the whole ethnic stuff. I just go exploring and fighting stuff. Can't we just re- reject Hume? Ought from an is. Seems to make any moral system impossible. Therefore, nihilism. Well, you got to read UPB, which is available for free. Even better, read Essential Philosophy, which is a more compressed explanation of UPB. And you can also watch my second rebuttal to rational, rationality rules. Keith, thank you very much. Non on says, Stefan, big thing. Dane? Widgington, climate stuff and geoengineering. I think you should watch a couple of videos. Okay, that's not the guy who was um, on Congress recently, was it? Okay, uh, Chris Jansen uh, is nothing but a donation. Thank you. Steve Rogers says, do you watch other YouTubers? Uh, you know, I should do a show. I don't really at the moment. Uh, I like Tom Wood's show a lot. Uh, I used to watch some... Girl Writes What? Karen Strawn. Uh, but I have not done that in a while i used to watch some migtow channels uh, terence pop can be very funny of course but but funny and his editing is very good and um oh gosh sandman was was uh good 
Uh, and um, but I really haven't uh, had much of a chance lately. I do I do apologize for that. Well, I shouldn't apologize. I just don't really have as much time. So if I do get some time, like if I'm driving someplace, then I would generally much rather uh, do a podcast rather than listen to someone else's. So, all right. Let's see here. Hello. What do you think about the repression of a white man in America? It really sounds sad, isn't it? That's from Irina Williams. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. And, you know, like any any animal when cornered, uh, it's going to get ugly. Verdun says, thoughts on Canada's real estate costs and supply shortages. Toronto, Vancouver, average detached home is now $1.3 million. Suburbs pretty bad as well. Canada has prostituted itself to foreign investors and launderers. Well, this is a big problem, right? And one of the big problems is that the boomers want their real estate value to keep going up. It's pretend wealth. And children don't vote, which is why children are so exploited and and sold off for debts and stuffed into terrible government schools and so on. And uh, it's wretched, uh, wretched. I mean, the 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 young have no voice in a democracy, and that's one of the reasons I don't like the existing system. All right, um, let me just see here. I'm just I'm going back. I'm going back, and thank you again. Uh, I f- I found now where where to get it. Uh, Tiger Bear says, how often do FDR callers let you know how things go after the calls? What have you found from those follow-ups? Always curious where people end up. I'm telling you, it's almost universally fantastic. Almost universally fantastic. And it's great. And I don't know whether it's worth, see, if I do a show from some guy from six months ago, is it worth going? I mean, but I'm just telling you guys, the the work that people do after the sort of crack of illumination, the sort of thunderclap and lightning that comes out of these shows is fantastic. And it's one of the reasons I keep doing these shows is because, like, you know, it's like I know people say, oh, you know, these people are so messed up and so on. Well, no, they're not because they're calling in. They know that there's a problem. They're calling in. They're getting help. They're being vulnerable. They're exposing wounds to the world. I mean, it's a very brave thing that they've done. The people who are really in trouble of people who don't even know they're in trouble, right? So they know that there's a big problem. They they call in. They they try to get some advice. It usually is very helpful, and it really does point them in the right direction. They do amazing stuff afterwards. So it is it is great. It is so encouraging uh, to to see how that works. So uh, <clears throat> Marusha Dark says, "Whoever would be the light of the world must learn to walk in darkness. Don't ever give in to despair, Steph. Where there's a will, there's a way." Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, let's see here. Uh, loquacious primate, he was back or she was back, said, I find it fascinating how IQ difference can explain so many other inequities. But since it is a data-driven conclusion and not true a priori, could we find inequities where IQ genetic data don't map? Absolutely. Absolutely. So IQ is not the be-all and end-all. There's still conscientiousness. There's still your work ethic. There's still your sensitivity, your willingness to admit faults. There's emotional maturity. And some of these things are associated with IQ. But there's still so much room for philosophy and and wisdom and all of these kinds of things. So, yes. All right. Jenny Allen says, read Isaiah 25. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Well, yeah, it's a lot easier to think woe to those if you believe in God. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's tempting. Um, Non-On says, hey, Stefan, truth is the highest value, right? The most basic for atheists or anyone. Well, no, biologically, survival is the highest value. And I mean, biologically, right? We'd like truth to serve it. And I believe it does, but okay. All right. Um, 
Morgan Davis says, can you shout out to my girlfriend, Emma? I introduced her to your show and would like you to say hi to her. Thank you. Emma, great catch. Morgan sounds like a a great guy, and uh, I, I hope you guys are very, very happy. Question, your thoughts on Jews. Are you a Jew? I've done my thoughts on Jew. I answered that earlier. Michael Isaacson says, keep up the good work. And if you're ever in Sweden, we did that. Tiger Bear, we did that. Um, did you see the recent Tucker? Good 1984 segment. No, but you should see Tucker's. Oh, was it? No, not Tucker's. Um, oh, gosh. John Stossel did a great bit on the SPLC. SPLC, well worth looking at. All right. Uh, Double Dog Bear says, you mentioned health problems can occur from gene alignment errors in multi-ethnic offspring. Do you think similar problems can occur for personality traits? I'm British and Irish and half measured and stoic and half a total bastard. <laughs> uh, all, uh, all personality traits have some degree of inheritance. And uh, I would refer you back to this uh, pretty good discussion in um, the book I mentioned earlier at our wit's end. Uh, let's see here. Jimmy Jeff says, Episcopalians have a higher IQ on average than Ashkenazi Jews, but Jews tend to hold more positions of power. Explain. We need to start having honest conversations about group evolutionary strategy. Yeah, well, so in computer models that they've run, and I know that that sounds like a climate change, but it's not. Computer models that they've run in a multi-tribal society, the tribe that has relentless in-group preference tends to dominate. And there's no way around that, and they haven't found any other way for domination to occur. Relentless in-group preference. And I would just leave that with you. Ah, let's see here. Hey, staff, long time no see. Seen Little Caesar's ad. No, I've got my eyes blinded by the fat woman on the beach Gillette ad. Devon Spittle says, thanks so much for what you do. Today has been 12 p.m. Now listening to staff. What do you say to people who say leave the country if you don't like it? Well, and go where? Right. I mean, if the only place you can go is a zoo saying to an animal, leave the zoo, like if there was a country to go to where there was no taxation and you were free. Great. Morgan Davis, can you talk about where you differ with Ayn Rand and objectivism? So metaphysics, I'm down with epistemology, I'm down with ethics. Um, That which serves the life of man is not a strong enough basis for ethics because we are biological creatures. And if you look at the amount of money, say the Clintons and the Obamas have amassed um, it's enough for infinite generations. So that which serves man's needs, we are an ecosystem of competing groups and exploitation works pretty damn well as far as resource gathering goes. So, What about hitting your kid in self-defense? Well, if your kid is attacking you, it's because you hit them earlier or you were... <laughs> Steve Rogers says, I'll be right back, Stefan. I just pooped my pants real bad. I'd like to know what pooping your pants not real bad looks like. Morgan Davis. Okay, I did that one. IQ, as you described, says Teo Jones, is measurable. However, genetics is not necessarily the overriding factor. Well, it's about 80%, so it's pretty overriding. What's your thought on why Theresa May is stalling on Brexit? She's not that smart. It's a tough thing to do, and you'd need a Churchill in that, and she is a wallflower. Uh, Giralf Onsnu says, would you ever debate Cenk Ugar? Sure. Uh, the Reva Christ 2790, any advice for doing job interviews? I have a whole video, two videos on that, which one of which I did a long time ago, one of which, which I did more recently. So just really, really work hard to show the value that you can provide to the customers of whoever you're interviewing for. Shana O, oh, have you subbed to PewDiePie? I like 
uh, PewDiePie. I think he can be quite funny. Some of his video humor, some of his game humor is a little bit beyond me because I don't game much anymore, but uh, well worth it. Uh, so somebody uh, uh, is talking about, um, yeah, the video of, of the shooter in New Zealand. Yeah, it's a lot of, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's terrible. I mean, it's just one of these things where, you know, whenever there's a, a terrorist attack, say by a Muslim or by some other group uh, in a Western country, they say, well, we're not going to let this change anything because that would be letting the terrorists win. But if a white terrorist happens, suddenly like half your rights need to be taken away. It's really, really terrible. All right, Friedrich von Ziegler-Schickeldorf says, Thoughts on Legault's bill to prohibit civil servants from wearing religious symbols in Quebec. Yeah, you know, three to 400,000 people pouring into Canada every single year against the will of the population who want immigration sharply curtailed. I don't really think what people are wearing on, uh, on their neckties is really the big, big issue. Uh, uh, is there anything of value in a post-scarcity civilization? Yeah, IQ, it seems to be. Jesse Street says, have you ever heard of Dr. Edward Dutton? He's written many books and he's recently started uploading videos on YouTube on interesting subjects like race differences in ethnocentrism. Yes, I have heard of Edward Dutton and he co-authored the book that I just mentioned earlier with uh, Dr. Michael A. Woodley of Meany YR. Okay, let's see here. What do we do if immigration makes us unelectable? Mm, I, uh, as a philosopher, I can't really answer that. Double dog bears to stay away from tobacco. 20 centimeters ought to do. Yeah, my mother did criticize my father a lot after they divorced, which is when I was a baby. But she did say he had a pretty dry wit. So he had a very long tobacco pipe. And people said, why? He said, well, my doctor told me to stay away from tobacco. Or, or, or. Uh, Zach Capone. Hey, Stefan, I'm a big fan of yours. Are there any books you suggest young men should read early in their lives, especially in college? Uh, yeah, Rothbard and, and Rand and uh, von Mises and Hayek and you name it. Um, the the uh, Austrian economists, uh, of course, my books I uh, strongly recommend. You can get most of them for free at freedomainradio.com forward slash free and uh, go with those. All right. Oh, my gosh. I think we're getting there here. Best way to deal with a wife wanting to separate. I've tried everything up to suggesting counseling. She's already into talking with someone. She's also already talking with someone else. Oh, boy, she's already got an emotional affair going with someone else. Well, hit me up if you both want to talk. I'd be happy to um, to listen. All right. Uh, thoughts on Jared Taylor's recent ban from Europe. Oh, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, wretched. And uh, they, you know, they keep shutting down these debates. It's only going to make things escalate. It's only going to make things escalate. It's as clear as day. Everybody knows all of that. So... Yeah, they just they can keep banning, and that just means people are going to say, okay, well, we can't talk, so we're going to escalate in other ways. It's sad, and I've been fighting against it for a long time, but I guess people need to relearn that lesson, I guess. I left your chat with Duke Pastor. Any chance you guys could cover the Brothers Karamazov, especially the Grand Inquisitor scene? I would love to. What's your take on manscaping? Uh, I believe if you're Italian, it requires a power mower. All right, thoughts on Owen Benjamin? Uh, I like the bear. Um, I enjoyed my shows with him, but I do not follow his uh, work. I'm afraid, uh, again, I don't. Minecraft in English means my struggle. 
<laughs> okay, I get it. John Bob says, congratulations on your new gaming channel. Are you and Izzy going to stream Doom Eternal? <laughs> no, I, I would, I, I might, I might do Doom Eternal. I think that would be fun. Uh, boxes or briefs? Um, uh, generally, of course, uh, with balls my size, you kind of need those harnesses that you use to carry mature elephants from country to country. Your daughter is delightful. Yes, I appreciate that. I uh, I like that. Uh, David says, hello, Stefan. I sent in a request to debate you on a stateless society from a nationalist alt-right-ish perspective. I sent a document with all arguments. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting because um, I don't have any beef with nationalists at the moment, so I'm not sure about that one. Let me just think about it. Uh, Crash Hard says, hey, Stefan, love your show. Any thoughts on the EU getting Article 11, Article 13 passed? Should we be worried? Well, yeah, I mean, it's terrible, terrible stuff. Um, it's terrible stuff. Under the guise of copyright, they want to shut down memes because memes are very effective in convincing people. Uh, Andrew Winkler says, how do you scan for IQ when you meet new people? Oh, I would uh, just look for reciprocity. So I'll, I'll spend time chatting with people. And, you know, if after 10, 15 minutes, they haven't asked me a question about myself, I'm like, yeah, well, good luck. I'm just moving on. Uh, Esoteric Dichotomy says, hey, Steph, thanks for the response last night. It was encouraging. I will work on self-reflection and self-improvement. Please continue to inspire. Captain Spire says, tattoos and piercings. Talked with a young lady, encouraging her to wait two weeks before getting more on her face. How She said she agrees, yet she quit one job because of it and got a lot more. How much is too much social impact? So tattoos are just a way of mapping prior trauma that's unprocessed on your face to make sure that you only hook up with other traumatized people who don't have much self-knowledge. So, Mich- uh, Michelle Mead says, I know you're doing less call-ins. Is the show now limited to personal situations or do you still take general philosophical questions? Want to talk about Eugene O'Neill plays? I do. Uh, send send it in. Uh, see here, Thomas Gibson says, I'm a PhD student, oil and gas related, and listening to you for the past couple of years has given me the courage to speak against the leftist rhetoric that rules academia. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Jacob says, stay woke, player. Uh, Alex says, you should interact with suitable super chats. Uh, someone suggested I get Devon Tracy from AIU on. Let me just uh, make a note of that. How do I know if my high libido is serving my mother or just natural attraction? I'm early 20s. So if you have a very high sex drive, you have to look at your history. If you had a lot of chaos, our selected randomness and and dysfunction and and unpredictability in your history, then your high sex drive is mostly serving your trauma, or rather it's assuming that the world is very chaotic and therefore you need to have sex with as many people as possible to survive, to have your offspring survive. So I would say no. Uh, it probably is serving um, the chaos in your history if it's that way. If it's that way. All right, PMC says, thanks, Stefan. Grizzly says, socialism already ruined the game World of Warcraft by expediting high rewards with little effort. The player number dropped because of this. Do you think this is foreshadowing our future? Make Azeroth great again. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> um, things are going to get harder, not easier. And they they, they have to. Uh, Jared says, hi, Steph, what's your thoughts on parental resentment towards their children? I feel abusive parents, boomers in particular, have this. Well, sure, if you've harmed someone, that person holds great power over you. If you've harmed someone emotionally, that person then has great power over you because they can provoke guilt within you for having harmed them, which is why you need to control people you've harmed relentlessly. 
Uh, Anthony Escobar says, will you come to my college if invited about book? Uh, yeah, these days, I guess it depends on where. Uh, Issa Martel says, Europeans seem to forget that Southern Europe was Muslim for hundreds of years, i.e. Spain, Sicily. I don't forget Greece. Greece was under Turkish domination for 400 years. This already influences the culture. Thoughts? Yes. Uh, Euroboros says, USA has been a colony of Israel for half a century. Finance, healthcare, education, foreign policies, news, and entertainment have all been inverted. I wouldn't say that. See, forget about the supplier as much as the demand, right? I mean, if, if people like what Jewish writers produce, then write better stuff that, that will outcompete it. Now, particularly with the internet, it's easy to get that stuff out, right? Um, the new Ulysses says, my f a friend wants me to give advice on him getting to know a woman who currently lives with her daughter's father. He is friends with her, but once more. Oh God, no, don't, don't, just don't get it. No, don't get it. No, don't get involved in that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just a mess. Cake equals baby staff. Even when it's not finished, it's considered cake. Mm, all right. Uh, hey, Stefan, out of all the people indicted in the Mueller probe, who actually has real charges against them and not some trumped up charges? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's been a lot of charging flowing around. I've not seen anything. I mean, I've seen some stuff where there just seemed to be some real crimes. But the question is, were they worse than Hillary's? And would they have been pursued if these people weren't uh, focused on Trump? And have Democrats done anything similar that has not been prosecuted? All right. Make the world 1914 Christmas Day, Steph, when the people lay down their arms and hugged made me cry. Yeah, I did a good uh, video on the First World War about that. All right. Is there a topic that is important to you that you rarely have the opportunity to speak upon? By the way, I love your work. Oh, yeah, just all the philosophy stuff. I really, really like I did want a philosophical introduction to concept formation recently, which I would like that. Uh, random. Have you ever had a lucid dream? Yes, uh, I talked about that in the last one, so a last live stream. Did you see Mike Norton's apology to you? I did, and it was a great video. Although he did have a certain amount of nihilism regarding wh what his community could, could achieve. Hi, Mr. Molyneux. I'm a Canadian member of JBS. I don't know what that is. I think Canada should pull out of the UN, seeing that our PM defers to the UN for Canadian immigration policy. Yeah, uh, the, the UN is, is a complete joke, and it was founded by a communist, and it's now dominated by totalitarian theologies. So, yeah, it should have nothing to do with the... UN. Steph, do you plan to do more Truth About video series? Haven't seen much of these over the past two years. Yes. Would you, will you interview Andrew Yang about economics? Yeah, I mean, I could, I suppose. I doubt he would take it, though. They're good, the aforementioned radioactive moat. Is there any overlap between Christianity and objectivism? That is a great topic for a show. I won't try and answer it here, but uh, I'll put that on my list. Thank you. Um, MAGA Mexican said, Hi, Steph. Just wanted you to read my screen name. Uh, Deb Jeet says, Top books to analyze behavior. Real-time relationships uh, is good. Games people play is good. John Gray's stuff is very good. Nathaniel Brandon's The Psychology of Self-Esteem is very good. Oh, we're back. Oh, my gosh. We went back a little ways. All right. Okay. Well, that's good. I thought some of these were <laughs> seemed a little familiar. Hey, look at that. We're all done. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, so much. What a What a really... Wonderful and pleasurable evening it was to chat with you guys about all of these essential topics. And um, I thought I'd fix the white balance. I still look a little orange, but we'll survive. And uh, I will talk to you guys soon again. Have yourselves a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Lots of love from you here from the big chatty forehead. I'll talk to you guys soon.